Welcome to Schools on the Front Lines, a new podcast brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. This special podcast series has focused on the multiple challenges that our schools faced as they shut down last March, and now here in August as they reopen with an improved approach to distance learning as the new normal. These new challenges also present schools with new opportunities to get things right. In this, our seventh episode, I'm speaking with Orange County Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Al Mijares, who serves 27 diverse school systems with over 600 schools and almost half a million students. Al started his career as a special education teacher with youngsters with autism and Down syndrome, and then went on to serve as a school principal, a superintendent in Bakersfield and Coachella Valley, followed by a remarkable 11-year run as superintendent in Santa Ana. And before becoming Orange County superintendent, he served as an executive with the college board the nationally known nonprofit that produces both the SAT tests and the high school AP exams. Welcome, Al. Thank you. It's great to be with you, Carl. You're one of 58 county superintendents in California, and you're one of the 53 who've actually been elected by a vote of the people. Five are appointed. You've been elected twice countywide in Orange County. Even though the position is nonpartisan, there's a lot of political tension in that county. What's your secret and what lessons have you learned about the electorate in that important county? In Orange County, we've had a history here of dealing with political issues. It was the uh, Prop 209, Prop 187, Prop 227, and some of those actually went from Orange County to across the state and even across the country. And frankly, I think all of those seriously sacrificed student equity. And that was something that I had to navigate as a superintendent in this county. And it was important that I, regardless of the politics, keep my eyes on the needs of students and to recognize that we are a highly diverse county. People have the image of Orange County as though everybody that lives here is wealthy and is white and, you know, has a home on the beach. Actually, we have over 500,000 students. Two-thirds of them are students of color. The largest are Hispanic students. And it largely mirrors the state where we've got about a 50% Hispanic population in Orange County. The poverty level is about 50% in our county as well. Lots of first-generation college-going students in this county. And one of the lessons that I learned was the importance of doing the right thing and doing it quickly. Yes, you want to build a coalition, and that takes time. But what you have to remember is that if you coddle things that you know are not in the best interest of students, it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any easier. You just have to call it out in a way that hopefully ingratiates, that builds a spirit of unanimity, but you have to do it. And so I've had to deal with some strident issues that I felt 
we're compromising the integrity of our instructional program for students. So I have to get above those politics. You have to have thick skin in this work, as you know, and you have to do what's right and do it quickly and do not look back. You're working with 27 school districts. And as you mentioned, it's it's a very diverse county. You had some that opened last week remotely, some that are opening this week. What are your impressions so far of how things are going with the districts in your area? We have developed a plan for reopening the schools. It's called OC Together, and I'm very heartened with the development of that plan from the foundation on up. We had our 27 school districts have been involved in the process. What we have done has gone through the sieve of our superintendents, but we've had a very diverse team of curriculum leaders, instructional leaders, as well as facility people, people that are watching the budget and monitoring that. And we developed a plan for the reopening of schools. And the purpose of the plan was to look at the guidelines that were issued by the CDC and the CDPH and the CDE, look at those agencies and follow those guidelines. And from that point, each district would customize these guidelines to its own use. In other words, create a very personalized system of reopening plans. Now, because we are on the state monitoring list, because of the spikes that we've experienced, we are slated to open all of our schools online. So we have been, you know, now preparing for online education. And as you know, online education is not new. I mean, it started in the 80s and in the year 2000s, the universities were doing these massive online courses. So We have used online education, but we used it to augment the instructional program, not to replace it. And right now, because of the fact that we are on the monitoring list and required to start school online, our goal is to assure that the online program is as efficacious as students being in a classroom with their teachers. Now, nothing can replace that in reality, but I think we have a responsibility to do everything we can to keep students at grade level. Our listeners are aware that your Board of Education has made state and national news by suing Governor Newsom, suggesting that these local school districts should reopen in person without adhering to mask wearing and social distancing protocols. What exactly are the legal responsibilities of the Orange County Board of Education? And how do you stay above the fray in terms of navigating that particular political environment? Orange County is diverse. We have blue and red across the county, and that often clashes. We are in the midst right now of dealing with the pandemic. And we have some people who view it as perhaps in terms of giving them credit, they may see some of the health issues with the pandemic, but they quickly believe that it is manufactured, that it is nothing more than a political attempt to attack the White House. I you know, don't see it that way. I see it largely as a, a health issue, a disease that has the capacity to ravage communities and human life. And so I think we have to do everything in our power to keep our students safe. So I recommend that we follow the health professionals and that we do it with integrity. 
And that has caused conflict for me, frankly, where people are saying that, you know, you're part of a, of a plan that is designed to, you know, politicize education. And I say, on the contrary, you know, my goal is to keep our students and those that serve them safe. That's the number one priority for a parent. And when you look at surveys and you talk to parents, the number one thing they care for is the safety of their students. Responsibilities of the County Board of Education is one to look at, first of all, the students that are within our care and to work with the department in producing instructional plans and programs that are going to help those students. The board has a responsibility to approve the budget that's been developed by the county superintendent, and they either can approve it or disapprove it, but they don't have the authority to line pencil it or blue pencil the budget because it's a budget that expresses the instructional program and it's done by credentialed people, which is consistent with law. The other duty and responsibility that the board has is to serve as an appellate body for charter schools. And then for students who are seeking interdistrict transfers or who have been expelled from school or been involuntarily suspended from school, they have a right to appeal those decisions before the board. And the board does have a responsibility on the acquisition of property, but their focus is very narrow. They have no oversight responsibility to the 27 autonomous districts who have, by the way, duly elected boards, which is the height of local control, right? Is to keep it at the local level. So for our board to come out and criticize us for not having plans that omitted masks and bypass social distancing, or I, I like to use the word physical distancing because we never want our kids to distance socially, but physically, physical distancing, to me was unconscionable and irresponsible. And I said that on national TV, we actually had a board meeting where the board had brought in a number of experts that they hand selected and they created what they called a white paper, which at least half or three quarters of the people that they said signed it have disavowed themselves from it now. But they created these precepts of what they wanted the forum to, to talk about. And the precepts were, number one, that we, we didn't support the wearing of masks. And number two, social distancing. They didn't think that was necessary and students could just go back to school like there was no virus at all. We got over 3,500 negative comments sent to the board, and then that blew up through uh, Facebook and YouTube to some 40,000 people complaining about the board's action. But that hasn't dissuaded them. They still turned around a week or so later and filed a lawsuit against the governor for forcing schools that were on the monitoring list to open with only online education. And how I've stayed above the fray just quickly is trying once again to stay focused on my mission, trying not to take it personal, trying to be as civil and as kind as I can be in the process and not just react and, you know, get in the mud, stay above it, but to nonetheless have the resolve to do what I felt was right for students. I'm talking with Superintendent Al Mijares of the Orange County Department of Education. Switching to a different topic, Al, how has the conversation around racial 
injustice unfolded in Orange County? It is a work in progress. We have a history in this county that is painful for a lot of people. Our county was the home of Proposition 187, which was a measure designed to eliminate undocumented students or families and students. And we also were the home of Proposition 227, which was an attempt to eliminate uh, primary language instruction or bilingual education, and the Proposition 209, which was an attack on affirmative action. Those initiatives largely were born here in this county. And so there is apprehension on the part of many people that do we really care about student equity? And as an educator, my job was to keep my eyes focused on the needs of students. We're not immigration officers. When students come into our classrooms, we serve them. And we serve them to the best of our ability as though they were our own children. And so when these measures were first hit the streets, um, there was even a group that developed here in Orange County called the Minutemen, who were civilians policing the borders. And the head of the Minutemen lived here in Orange County. So we have tried to buttress that by talking about the uh, damage that, that that does to our county, the civility, the social interaction of people, that we're a county that uh, has the capacity to do so much good here in California and across the country that we had to change the focus of the county and start doing things that were much more inclusive and beneficial for all. And I think that we have made progress in a lot of ways. The uh, demography has changed. We have more people here now who are interested in helping all people. I think some of the racial and ethnic barriers have melted. They haven't been eliminated, but we certainly have seen, I think, those things recede. So we're headed in the right direction. We still have issues such as with the pandemic and people that are still, you know, making this a political problem as opposed to a health problem. I think we're getting better. Finally, Al, you've had a remarkable career in school leadership that spans several decades. How has leading during this extraordinary crisis changed you as a leader? Well, it's helped me to go back to, you know, what is endemic to our profession. And that is that education has to teach resiliency. The social emotional aspects of life, I think, unfortunately, because for a long time we were only concerned with one metric to determine the effectiveness of a school, and that was a test score. And we just sort of leaped over these developmental psychologists that talked about the needs of students. And we understand the power of social, emotional learning and development because those are metacognitive skills that if students don't have those skills, their education will suffer. In fact, that's what workers want. 21st century leaders today want students to be able to collaborate and to be able to communicate and to serve with character. This is one of the challenges we've had with the pandemic, and that is how do we continue to meet the social emotional needs of our students? But we have to teach our students this whole notion, uh, which is which is all about mindset. And it's about how you perceive the problem. And as educators, we have to learn from the pandemic. Um, a friend of mine who teaches in Santa Ana, he's been teaching for over 20 years kindergarten. He's a prince of a man, a jewel he is, and a great teacher. 
And he told me that the pandemic is helping him to be a better teacher. And he's teaching kindergarten students. He's grouping them by numbers of six so that he could put his hands around it. He had never really done a lot in kindergarten on online education, but he's doing it now. And it's helping him to be stronger. You and I, Carl, we, we both believe in the importance of faith. Uh, faith is part of our character. I think of the reformer, Martin Luther, who faced a, a pandemic himself, the bubonic plague, which ended the life of some 25 million people in Europe at a time, we're talking about 1517, a time when Europe had only 60 million people. They thought it was going to wipe everybody out. And the faith that they demonstrated was almost a, a presumptuous faith. In other words, it was a faith that didn't really consider what was logical and rational. So Luther preached. He said, look, when he did the 95 Thesis, he placed him on the church door. And that had to do with the criticality of faith, of grace, of mercy, and of liberation and civility. And he said, you know what, though? Yes, you need to have your faith because that defines your core values. But beyond that thing, you have to do what's right. So you're taking care of your soul and you're following your soul, but you also have to follow the convictions of the mind. And that is take care of yourself, do the right things, practice hygiene. And you know, while you're doing that, take care of your neighbor. So I, I, this, is, this is education. And, you know, I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis, that tremendous literary giant who actually, believe it or not, taught at both Oxford and Cambridge. And his quote was, the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. And so my point there is that the pandemic is something we didn't choose. But again, we have to allow the mind to solve this problem. And thereby that creates strength that will help the individual move on and be a better person and make a bigger contribution to humanity. Al, thank you so much for this time with us. Good luck to the 27 school districts that you're working with. Carl, thank you so much for inviting me. It was an honor to be with you, and I look forward to our next podcast. That was Al Mijares, superintendent of the Orange County Department of Education. He brings a genuine passion and commitment to student advocacy while navigating the many political challenges that an elected leader faces in today's politically charged and uncertain times. Well, I think it's only appropriate that we end this episode with a piece from the remarkable young musicians at Godinez High School in Santa Ana with their virtual symphony orchestra rendition of See You Again. This has been Schools on the Front Lines, brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Our opening theme is by Utah. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. Talk to you next week. <laughs>